College football and tailgating go hand in hand. And some are so legendary, they even write books about them. Well, we have an author who wrote about what's been called by many the holy grail of tailgating sites. Right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The players. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. What are the three most beautiful words a sports fan can hear? Football is back. The wait is over, my friend. And even though you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, there's always that online casino as well. The best part about it, it never closes. You can play 24 7. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. It's the only place to go. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ole Miss football has three national championships and six SEC titles. Add nine players plus two coaches enshrined in the College Football Hall of Fame, and that's quite a legacy. But it's the 10 acres of grass and trees that lie in the center of campus that captivates people from all over the country. The Grove has been called the mother and mistress of outdoor ritual mayhem by the New York Times. And Sports Illustrated ranked it number one with this quote. There is no more beautiful spot to tailgate, nor one richer in tradition. Add the walk of champions, hotty toddy, the land shark, and more, and you have the essence of why college football is more than just a game. So there's no one better to dive in all that history and pageantry then Tom Ward author of the book The Grove the story of family fables food fashion and football you can find it at your favorite bookseller thanks for joining me Tom good to be here Chris thanks so much for having me and I hope you're doing well I definitely am and first you're a University of Alabama alum so what inspired you to write a book about the Grove at Old Miss well like so many people from SEC schools, I came to the Grove basically every time Alabama would play over here. Such a, a wonderful place, the tradition, the unique scene. Plus, I have three kids who've been in school in Ole Miss, so that drew me to the campus much more often. And then, you know, I discovered a couple of years ago that no one had written a book on the Grove. It surprised me. I've Amazing. The nation's number one books. Yeah. The nation's number one independent bookstore, the Square Books. I've been in there and checked online in the library. and No one had a book on the Grove, and I decided it was time that someone did it. Well, before we get in the current state of the Grove, talk a little bit about the history of the Grove's origins. I found it really interesting that the uh, governor announced plans to move Old Miss to Jackson and combine it with Mississippi State. Chris, it was 1928. The governor was a small man, about five foot two, named Theodore Bilbo. He should have been a fictional character. <laughs> Everybody, every everything about the guy was oversized except for his own physical frame. But he wanted to move the campus. He wanted to converge or join the Ole Miss and Mississippi State campuses and move them to Jackson and create this super school. And the Ole Miss and Oxford people took the entire state legislature by train to Oxford and gave them a tour, gave them basically a pregame on the Grove. That was how they charmed them into submission. And by a vote of 103 to 9, the legislature opposed the governor 
after their trip to the Grove. So the Grove, what the book calls the number one win in the history of Ole Miss. Yeah, really used it as a weapon to uh, save the campus. And the story of the Grove oh, yeah. really mirrors the history of Ole Miss, doesn't it? Well, it does. You had the most regrettable moment in the campus history, which is, of course, also the Grove's history, the riots at the end of September of 1962, which, of course, stained the history of the university for so long. But then you have the contrast, Chris, with 30 years later in 2000, actually over 30 years later in 2008 with the Ole Miss presidential debate. A fellow named Dr. Sparky Reardon came up with the idea of Issues Alley. There's a sidewalk that goes really perpendicular to where the debate was, and they let every imaginable advocacy group come on the sidewalk the day of the debate. There was not a single problem. There was not a single harsh word. Everybody got along just beautifully, and it became a metaphor for the journey of Ole Miss from the painful past to really a wonderful present. And that extended, and we even covered in the book, uh, this summer in 2020, the protests at Oxford and Ole Miss were completely peaceful in stark contrast to many other parts of America. So the Grove, you're right, the Grove has become a metaphor for the entire journey of the school. Yeah, and let's get into the book. You interviewed dozens of people for the book. Who surprised you the most with the best story? You know, there was a guy named Austrian Robinson, and a lot of people may not know who he is. He just he was uh, this year an undrafted free agent signed by the Carolina Panthers, a six foot four, three hundred pound defensive lineman. He grew up in Harlem. A lot of it sounds like a typical story you might think of in the big city. Grew up in Harlem, just a couple of blocks away from Marcus Garvey Park. A lot of your uh, listeners know where that is. Uh, his dad died when he was two years old. He was raised by a single mom. He was challenged to excel in life from his early circumstances, but he did well, entered the Trinity Pauling School on a scholarship just north of New York City, and he was headed to either Ohio State or Maryland, but then he visited Ole Miss, absolutely fell in love with the place and came here. His entire career was just riddled with injuries, a blood clot in his lung one year, a broken ankle one year, a shoulder injury another year. Wow. He had one healthy year, and he won the Chucky Mullins Courage Award for his determination and at Ole Miss, that's a pretty big deal. Chucky Mullins of the guy who's played in the late 80s uh, from Russellville, Alabama, suffered a debilitating and crippling and paralyzing injury, passed away a couple of years later, but he handled it with such class and courage, they named the top award on campus after him. Austrian Robinson came here, spent four years battling injuries, finally played some, won the Courage Award, and is kind of a hero in Ole Miss and a delightful guy to talk to also. And he was he was one of my favorites, certainly the most inspirational interview for the book. Wow, what a tremendous story. And let's get into the Grove itself. How did it get its name? You know, it was created in 1889 by uh, the Chancellor Fulton and Ole Miss just to have a nice area because they had expanded the campus. And the Grove, really, the nickname evolved organically. It just kind of happened in the school yearbook, in the school newspaper, and just colloquially among the people, it became known as the Grove. But since then, of course, it enjoyed that great history. And the irony, Chris, is that they took away a cherished tradition in the early 90s, about 30 years ago. Uh, people tailgated on the Grove in cars. It was just packed with cars. Oh, wow. Uh, Eli, Manning played, yeah, Eli Manning played his first football games at Ole Miss on the Grove as a child when his parents were tailgating in their car. And the interesting thing is when they took the tailgating away, they were worried about the root system and all these majestic ancient trees on the grove they're just absolutely beautiful by the way but they were worried about the root systems and the entire integrity of the grounds they they banned cars from the grove there was an uproar people were upset people were angry people thought that the tailgating at the grove had been ruined 
And ironically, it had just begun. And that's when things really got started. Now we have the opulence, the chandeliers, the mimosa fountains, and all these things that are have become the signature images of the Grove and really the university. But all that began <laughs> when people lost their grand tradition. <laughs> wow, great story. And we're just getting started as we are speaking with Tom Warder, author of the book, The Grove, the story of family fables, food, fashion, and football. And the sporting news described the Grove as the holy grail of tailgating sites. And you said it's a sea of red, white, and blue tents, no RVs, no campers, no cars. What happens, though, if you take somebody's spot? You know, it's interesting. Nobody has a spot. I mean, unofficially they do, and people end up in the traditional spots, but no one is allowed to reserve a spot on the Grove. They have this thing they call the running of the tents. You go there Friday night, and they open it. Everybody's cleared off the Grove. They open it, and you go reserve your space. You go stand in your space, literally, and stake down your tent. <laughs> uh, when Texas came in 2012, the University of Texas president's office called and said, we'd like to reserve a spot on the Grove. And they said, we're sorry, there's not one. And also, they wanted, by the way, Bevo the 14th, their mascot, to be able to graze. It was pretty funny. They didn't understand the concept. But they, anyway, there's not a spot. You just literally have to go get it. People hire college students to run to the spot and reserve it for them. So it's all unofficial. People just kind of say, yeah, they just make it happen. I'd like to see a little video of that, the <laughs> the running for the spots. <laughs> it's a new athletic event. Um, and they say Old Miss. Not quite, it's not quite the running of the Bulls in Spain, but it's pretty important. <laughs> Hopefully not as dangerous, that's for sure. And they say Old Miss is where they register Miss America. And what I found out, everyone was dressed to the nines. Why is fashion the passion at the Grove? <laughs> now, that's one of those traditions that never has gone away. And I've had my own kids in, in uh, groups where they, they are required to dress up. And, and even when they don't, even in the, the years after kids first graduate, many of them still dress up. It's just a grand tradition there. And it's interesting, Chris, uh, one of the chapters in the book is on different colleges and places where the Grove has been imitated. Someone compared it to United States cash, our currency, that you, even the best imitations are still counterfeit. <laughs> but Southern, uh, Southern Methodist is one of those. Uh, in the 90s, Chancellor Gerald Turner left Ole Miss to go to SMU, and he wanted to recreate the Grove. They were trying to rebuild everything after the NCAA death penalty. And one of the things they did was create an area they called the Boulevard, just outside of the, of the Gerald Ford Stadium in SMU. And one of the traditions they borrowed, along with the red, white, and blue tents, because the schools share the same colors, one of the traditions they borrowed was the students dressing up. So you'll notice that it's Southern Methodist also. Oh, that's a good steal, though. And what I found interesting yeah. was the uh, food and utensils are even sophisticated. Tell me about some uh, game day <laughs> staples. I mean, there's china, there's a fine silver, like you said, the chandeliers. Oh, yeah, the catering. So many, there's one tent called the Zebra Tent. They have this organized, and many of these tents, by the way, Chris, are organized year-round. They begin planning the themes for each game and the food for each game. Uh, really, as soon as the bowl game is over with, Thomas goes to a bowl around Christmas and New Year, they start planning. A tent called the, nicknamed the Zebra Tent uh, does that. They have the first planning meeting in the beginning of January, and they have these SUVs. It looks more like an invasion. <laughs> SUVs pull up, and and all these vehicles, and these people get their things out, and they they stake their place on the Grove on Friday night. Then a group goes to a condo they have rented with confection ovens and all these things, and they they do this cooking, and they and part of it's catered. And then another tent, uh, a member is Elizabeth High School, the Today Show chef. 
who's authored many cookbooks for Southern Living. She's sure. part of another tent. And she talks in the book about the types of food you have, the, um, how like finger sandwiches and things where you can hold uh, your food in one hand, your drink in the other hand, still walk around and have a conversation. So they try to gear things toward that. Some of the things included a few years ago uh, when Tamu was the Ole Miss quarterback and Tua Tungvaluwa was the Alabama quarterback. They had Hawaiian themes, you know. So you have all these all these themes that vary from week to week. You have all these tents. Uh, you have some tents like uh, there's one called the Deerfield Rebels. They're from Jackson, the groups of friends for 30 years, and they've been tailgating together for 30 years. Wow. And then you have groups like the Shark Tank tent that's only been around about eight years, but they, everything revolves around the land shark theme, which is a big deal at Ole Miss. So you have all these different tents. Many of them have different names. The 1810 tent, uh, 18 was R.T. Manning's jersey number. 10 was Eli Manning's jersey number. The sure. Mannings had been part of that group uh, in years past. The Manning family, Tom Brokaw would come party. Uh, <laughs> all David Howard, David Halberstam, all these John McCain, all these celebrities. So it, that, that tent has a pretty interesting history. So you have the culture of the food, the culture of the tents, and the culture of the people. Yeah, well, it really sounds like a combination of family and fellowship. And we have on the show Tom Ward, author of the book, The Grove, the story of family fables, food, fashion, and football. You can find it at your favorite bookseller. So how are those rival schools welcomed? You know, that's probably the most remarkable thing about the entire culture, Chris. Great question. It is the most welcoming place you'll ever go. I mean, they do kind of have, most places have corn dogs when LSU comes because of that joke, and they kind of you know, have fun with them on that. But it is notoriously welcoming. You can literally just walk into any tent anywhere and just start talking to people, and they'll offer you food and drinks, and and it's just something that almost sounds beyond belief, but it's true. Yeah, that sounds and, like my kind uh, of tailgate. And, oh, it's it's wonderful. And the, the student government actually set up what they call everybody's tent, just in case people don't understand how welcome they are, including students. They have one large tent where they make sure everybody knows they're welcome. So that's also a great development. Oh, that's fantastic. Sounds like the place to go. And the, the Grove isn't the only <laughs> thing that makes game day at Ole Miss so special. Tell me about the Walk of Champions. The Walk of Champions was created by Ole Miss coach Billy Brewer in the early 80s. He played in uh, at least one of the national championship teams in the late 50s and early 60s. And Coach Brewer had come back to the 1983 season to lead Ole Miss after coaching at some other schools. He came up with the Walk of Champions and that many schools have also copied that. The bus comes up at kind of the east end of the Grove, what they call the, the Arch of Champions. It honors the 1962 National Championship team. They walk under the arch, and the crowd parts, like Moses in the Red Sea, the crowd <laughs> parts. And there's a path to go uh, down the Grove and then cut to the right. And they're just masses of people. They're all cheering, high-fiving, chest-bumping, taking selfies, of course, and videos. And the players go through, and it's just a – just a beautiful time to celebrate game day and to celebrate the players. And as some Alabama fans had suggested, they think it's even better for or as good for the players as it is for the fans because they get to see how greatly they're appreciated and see how much it means to everybody. Oh yeah. I'm and sure. they get to be part of the, they get to interact with the crowd. And there are a lot of kids, you know, they come see their heroes right in front of them, whether it's hall of famer, Patrick Willis or Eli Manning or people like that, or Deuce McAllister, they come through, they can, you know, high five this McAllister. You know, a lot of kids would never get another opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's a great memory for everyone, of course. Oh, and yeah. uh, another relatively new tradition is locking the vault. 
a play on the Vault Hemingway Stadium name. How did that materialize? <laughs> you know, they're different. They're competing stories about it, but it's one of those things. Old Miss just, Chris, has its own unique system and array of traditions. Uh, they're competing stories about that, just as there are with when the cars were actually banned on the Grove. It's funny. Everybody gives you a different answer on that. <laughs> but it's one of those traditions, like the Land Shark, for example. The Land Shark, um, a guy named uh, Fine, F E I N, uh, had fought in Iraq and come to Ole Miss as a 26 year old defensive back in 2008. And his unit in Iraq was nicknamed the Land Sharks. So he sacked quarterback Javon Sneed in practice, got up and did that Land Shark gesture, and it caught on. And then he made a play in, later that year in 2008 when Ole Miss upset Tim Tebow's Florida team. It's the game where Tim Tebow gave his impassioned speech that has oh, become yeah, part promise. of Florida yep. War. Oh, the promise. You're right. It was that game. And they stopped Tebow on a fourth and one. But the play before that was equally important when linebacker Fine stopped Florida short to create the fourth and one and did the land shark gesture. And it was the first time anybody had seen it in public. And it's stuck. And the land shark has become now the mascot at Ole Miss and the tradition. So some of the traditions vary in terms of the accounts of how they got started. Uh, it took me a long time to find the person who established the first tent on the Grove, an insurance agent named Ed Truitt, who's close friends with Sean and Leanne Tui, people may remember from the Blindside movie. Yes, yes. Uh, Sean, Sean shared the movie. He, he knew who <laughs> established the first tent on the Grove. Ed Truitt. So, you know, there was, it's wonderful how traditions, and you know this, you report on college football legends, and you probably know more than anybody about it, but it's so amazing how legends get started, how traditions get started, how the accounts vary, but it's, uh, Old Miss is just a land of great traditions, and as William Faulkner, to paraphrase William Faulkner, you know, the past is not only not dead, it's not even in the past. Yeah, it's why college football is so special. And I've had the opportunity to see a game at Ole Miss, and I love the town. Uh, you were talking about Oxford. Why is Oxford so special? It's, it's just different. I mean, it has this, this panache that, that, you know, it's in a way hard to describe, but in another way is discernible because of the reputations of the school and the history and the literary world from William Faulkner to John Grisham to Willie Moore to Ace Atkins and all these other people who've achieved great things in the literary realm. Then you have the historic Ole Miss campus, which is just right off the square. They're really close. And then you have the history. You have the cuisine, all these wonderful restaurants, which, you know, other towns have, but Ole Miss restaurants, like they're tailgating, are compacted into this one little area. So you have five-star restaurants and a James Beard chef on the square also, and you have all these in the nation's number one bookstore. You have all these things compressed into one little area where it's kept its historic value. The architectures remain, but you also have this maybe more contemporary success in many areas. And it's a nice mixture. And it, it all combines to create this panache that makes Oxford maybe a little different than other towns. It's also, by the way, the smallest town in America that hosts a Division One athletic program. Well, it truly is amazing. We're speaking with Tom Ward, author of the book, The Grove, the story of family fables, food, fashion, and football. And Ole Miss boasts some stellar quarterbacks. You named a couple of them. If you had to win one game, who would you start and who would you have as a backup? <laughs> well, you got to go Manning and Manning. And uh, you Is know, dad starting or is uh, Sonny Eli <laughs> starting? 
Who you who you who sitting behind them with the clipboard? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it it's so interesting, Chris. I interviewed a guy named Charlie Stevens, who's now a retired judge in Alabama. He was the defensive coordinator at Southern Miss in 1969. It had to come up with a game plan against Archie Manning. And he said that with Coach Johnny Vaught's sprint out offense, Manning could run. He was an incredible athlete, uh, drafted by uh, the Atlanta Braves also. But he was an even better passer, as we all know, and as his sons are. So I guess it depends on the offense. If it's more traditional pro set offense, probably Eli Manning. If it's more of a versatile dual threat quarterback offense, probably his dad, Archie Manning. I like that. You leveled it out there. You played both sides. I like that, though. And you have another book, Alabama, the Bicentennial, celebrating 400 past and present Alabamians. Who was your favorite athlete? Oh, wow. You know, I have to go contemporary, Derrick Henry. And you probably know this, Chris. He was the number one rusher in terms of rushing yards in the history of American high school football. He came to Alabama. He First, he played in the Army All-American game. And many were saying he'd have to be moved to linebacker or maybe even safety or some other position because he's just not a running back. He was too big. Not in a two-point conversion sure. in All-American game, he outran a cornerback to the end zone, and the announcer said, well, maybe he is a running back after all. <laughs> of course, he won the Heisman Trophy and the NFL rushing title last year. And his, uh, I think his career is going to be one of the most accomplished uh, running backs maybe in the history of the league before it's over. Yeah, and the best part about it, I had an opportunity to meet him. He's also extremely nice in person, which sometimes is rare <laughs> with today's athletes. Well, we only scratched no the surface. There is so much culture, history, and stories we didn't go over, but you're going to have to buy the book for that. All right, it's time, time to go. go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with Tom Ward, author of that book. The Grove, the story of family, fables, food, fashion, and football. Okay, for the first one, Tom, let's go with Hottie Toddy. What is the proper <laughs> response to Are You Ready? One person says, Are You Ready? And everyone else says, Hell yeah, damn right. Hottie Toddy, gosh almighty, who the hell are we? Hey, flim flam, bim bam, oh miss, bye damn. Where did that come from? You did it perfectly, <laughs> by the way. But. Well, there have been articles, like so many other things, Chris, there have been sure. articles written on it, and there's some varieties, but, you know, a hottie toddy, of course, is a drink, and uh, Ole Miss has an expression, we may or may not win the game, but we will never lose the party, <laughs> and I think that spread, <laughs> and I think that expression really captures the meaning of Ole Miss, and that people so often, you know, getting, uh, a guy named Gary from Learfield Sports told me this, that Ole Miss is the one place when people leave the stadium, they don't always just go home and kick their dog if they lose or yell at people. They actually can go to the Grove and keep partying, and it makes life so much more easy when you've lost a game, you can go party. And it was Gary Saunders from Learfield who told me that. And it's a great idea to think that the party can go on even after a loss. It takes a certain amount of restraint to do that. And I think sports fans around the country don't always have that. No, that is true. And number two, what is another place besides the Grove? I know you mentioned Southern Miss for a great tailgate that you've been to. Well, I've got to go with the University of Alabama. I was going to say, you got to throw <laughs> that alma mater in there. Come on. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt. But, you know, the quad is it has a history not dissimilar from the Grove. It has a rich history. The quad is in the middle of campus, uh, buildings, just ancient buildings, ancient trees. It's just catty-cornered to the stadium. Uh, I think the quad was grossly underused when I was in school, 
but now, and it actually originated with a guy named Russell Moore, who's now been to over 450 Alabama games in a row. Wow. Russell was the first to propose using the quad similarly to the way the Grove is used. Russell's been a friend of mine for 30 years and delightful interview for the book too. But it was his idea originally, and it happened. And now the quad has just become a magnificent place to celebrate college football. That's fantastic. And finally, and I, it'll I, be a great place. To, I was just going to say it's going to be a great place to celebrate uh, the 2020 National Championship. There you go. I like it. I like it. I like it. And finally, I'm a foodie. So what would be the one legendary tailgate meal at Old Miss and one from your alma mater at Alabama? Does one have better barbecue? Which one are we going with? Well, at Alabama, first, you have to go with Dreamland. You just have to go with Dreamland. And I wrote about him in the Bicentennial book. Big John was going to start a business in the Jerusalem Heights area of Tuscaloosa. He, he was either going to start, believe it or not, a funeral home or a restaurant. And <laughs> wow. He, thank thank yeah, God it's not a combination of both. <laughs> exactly. He had a dream a dream in which an angel came to him and said, it needs to be a restaurant. That's why he named it Dreamland. And Dreamland, of course, has exploded. It's one of the premier barbecue places, in, in my opinion, in the universe. But that's, you got to go Dreamland. All right. And in Oxford, in Oxford, probably a meal at either Elizabeth High School's tent or the Zebra tent, where you have the opulence, the chandeliers, the, the fine china, the mimosa fountain, uh, the, the, the endless candy for the kids and of course the barbecue and chicken fingers and, and usually some gourmet food too. So you have a kind of a combo plate literally of everything. So I would go with one of those two tents uh, in the Grove. Well, I, I already now know that I'm going to make a beeline the next time I, I am at the Grove uh, for the zebra tent. It's got a lot of, uh, <laughs> you pumped it up. I like it. It sounds good. Well, look, you got to get this uh, book, wonderful. the Grove, The Story of Family Fables, Food, Fashion, and Football by Tom Ward. Thanks for joining me today, Tom. Thanks so much for your time, Chris. It's been fun, and I appreciate your podcast. I really enjoy it. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at The Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Legendary.